Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. How you doing? Guys, when you get to be like me and Pastor Dave's age, we have lived through H1N1, SARS, Y2K, swine flu. I mean, we've lived through a lot. God is faithful. AIDS. Pastor Dave thought he was going to get AIDS from kissing a girl on the bus in kindergarten. But God is faithful. Man. Welcome. We truly are glad that you're here. I am thankful, uh, Pastor Dave. It was so funny. I was like, you know, like rehearsing through my message earlier today, and I just like at the top was like, thanks, Pastor Dave, for giving me the opportunity to preach because I really mean that. And I like was like walking through my living room like, like I don't normally do I like normally don't like to like rehearse it that to the word because it messes me up. But I'm like, man, I'm just so thankful for a brother that just like gives us the opportunity. I'm literally like in my living room like crying, like, wow, I'm just so thankful not a lot of people want to give up. So for real, thanks, Pastor Dave, because it really is, uh, it's unique that he wants to let other perspectives come on this stage and make sure that you have a well-rounded understanding of who God is. So uh, he tasked me this week with this idea, talking about mad love, and he asked, could I talk about how do I love God more? How do you and I grow more in love with God? How do we love God more? And I'm I'm going to literally give you my whole message in the next 30 seconds, okay? This is going to be an easy one. This is going to be quick. If I understand his love for me, I will naturally love him more. If you truly get an understanding, get a hold of how much God loves you, how could you not love him in return? So I'm going to give you a simple, simple phrase so that you can help remember this. God is perfect. I'm a turd. He loves me anyway. Ain't you heard? For real, thanks so much for coming, guys. I want to pray over you real quick as we leave. Jesus, please help them. Amen. Being mad, yeah. Oh, they being mad, yeah. They're telling me I got more time. Give it to me. God is perfect, and I'm a turd, but he loves me anyway, ain't you heard? Come on, Haps. God is perfect, and I'm a turd, come on, but he loves me anyway, ain't you heard? God is perfect. But I'm a turd, but he loves me anyway, ain't you heard? God is perfect. Come on, you got to remember this. But I'm a turd, oh, I'm a turd, yeah, I'm a turd. God bless America. God bless these United States. Amen, amen. See, I want you to know the song. You guys, thank you for that. I want you to know the song because I want you to remember this moment. Okay? The stupid hillbilly country song 
about being a turd. I don't know if you've heard lately, but um, I know there's a lot of talk with the coronavirus and sort of they're labeling it a pandemic now and all this stuff, but there are other things going on in the world that are sort of getting overshadowed by this whole coronavirus thing. So I don't know if you've seen this on the news or not, but there's this huge, uh, there's a decrease in the productivity and the uh, harvest of honey. There's like a huge decrease in the sale and the capacity for growth of honey. Anybody heard this? You know why? Because. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can explain that to the girl with lighter hair sitting next to you for me. Simplify the process. The title of my message tonight is Love is Caused by Bees. Love is Caused by Bees. Love, seriously, if you got to explain it, just take a second. Love is caused by bees. I was thinking about this, you know, we're going to, you're going to hear a lot of these scriptures that I know Pastor Dave has even used over the last, this is technically week four, but we missed a week because of the, the weather, but the scripture that kept coming to my mind when I was thinking about this was that we love because God first loved us. And for whatever reason, the because like stuck out at me. And I was like thinking about that verse and I was like, where do we get the word because? Like where does that come from? And I started thinking about it. I was okay, if you were once one way, that was your state of being, right? And then you changed from being one way to being another way, someone would inevitably ask you why. And your response would be because... So because is the cause of the bee. Love is caused by bees. The because is ultimately the process that you underwent to change from one state of being to another state of being. The bridge between these two states is the bee cause. It is the causal link, it would be referred to in philosophy. It is the cause that took you from one state of being to another. So if we think about this, that we love because he first loved us, for real, what I want you to walk away with tonight is an understanding that if I could just come to a deeper understanding of God's love for me, like if I could really see this God-man Jesus, and if it could mean something to me, like, I know it's in, like, a Christian sense, like, oh, yeah, man, God loves you, and I'll even, I'll tell people that, that don't know the Lord. Jesus loves you so much. Can I pray for you? Oh, no, it's awkward. Okay, never mind. Like, we'll tell people that, but, like, do you fully understand and know that, that you are loved by God? Because something happens in that exchange where I go from this one state of being where while we were sinners and we were yet far from God and we were, we were hostile, like Paul describes our, our minds as being hostile towards God. We go from that state of being to suddenly like madly in love with him. And the mad love that you and I are looking for in exchange with God ultimately comes from the same place. You know, we've talked, Pastor Dave talked about how 
how love is who we are and how love is the only way. The reality is that we can't love each other if we don't first receive love from God. It's impossible. We can't truly exhibit what God describes as love. We can exhibit what the world describes as love, but it's not truly love because the world doesn't know love because God is love. Pastor Dave talked talked about that the first week. Love is who we are. But we need to recognize why love is who we are. Because when he explained that, he did not mean that you are in and of yourself love. What he meant was God is love. Is is a permanent fixture word. Is means always, permanent, always has been past, currently is, and forever will be. It's a state of being. There is no because for God because he's never changed from one state to another. But because God is love. And God made you in his image and likeness. You went from one state of being to another state of being. I went from incapable of love to capable of love. I went from unloved by the world in my own mind and unloved even by God in my own mind to recognizing I am loved by an almighty God. And in that shift, that exchange, what really begins to happen is you begin to grow in love with God. We love because, because he first loved us. So ultimately the question is, if the way to grow in my love for God is understanding God's love for me, how do I understand God's love for me? How do I grow in a deeper understanding of how he feels about me, about how his affections are towards me, of how he thinks about me? And what we typically do is we typically desire to get in these messages, and you know now we're going to be talking about how we grow in love for God. So what I'm looking for with my pen and paper or with my phone is I want to write down what are the how-tos of how I love God more. What are the do's and don'ts, P. Steve? Just give me the list. Make it short and sweet. You can make it sound cool if you want. Maybe give me some alliterations. Easy to remember. That would be fantastic. But what I really want to walk out of here with is I want the do's and the don'ts to become more in love with who God is. The problem with that way of thinking is that the do's and the don'ts can't get me there. The do's and the don'ts are direct byproducts, are direct byproducts of becoming something else entirely. The do's and the don'ts are actually what comes out of me naturally when I shift my state of being and I step into that cause and I become something else entirely. There's there's no list of things like, yes, if you read your Bible and pray more, if you are spending time with God's people more, if if you're sitting in times of worship and worshiping with other Christians more, yes, you should theoretically grow in lo- in more in love with God, but it doesn't always work that way. Because there's no list of things that if you do this and you don't do this, then you'll for sure get to where you're trying to go. Ultimately, what he's looking for is he's looking for you to be willing to go, okay, this is how I am. This is my B. I am willing to trust you to actually change me transformatively into being something else. And for whatever reason, because he's so good at what he does, when you come out on the other end of what he shifts you into, you are madly in love with him. 
And you who were once hostile to God or angry at God or bitter towards God or apathetic towards God. And that was your state of being when you step fully immersed into this cause and allow him free reign to genuinely transform everything about who you are when nothing is off limits to him. Suddenly I come out on the other side a completely different creation. I'm, I, it's like I don't even fully recognize who that guy was before. And this guy suddenly has this burning love towards who God is. And that is not a thing that just happens at the moment of salvation. There, this happens your whole life. Just con- it, My whole life is constantly this state of realizing, okay, this is what I've allowed myself to become. Lord, I trust you to do this. And I come out and I'm like, wow, I can't believe you walked me through that. Can't believe you cared to do that in me. I can't believe you were willing to draw close when I was a turd. Wow. And in the understanding of how much he loves me, I fall more and more in love with him. So I want to break these three things down. Do you still remember them? God is perfect. I'm a turd. But he loves me anyway. I ain't heard. How's my country twang? I'm working on it. I'm trying. So I feel like we can skip God is perfect if you want. I hope you can understand that that just is. I don't, I, uh, we can go through that theologically some other time if you really want to. But just take it from me. God is perfect. That is the basis of Scripture. What tends to not be the understanding of many humans is that you are a turd. For whatever reason, there's this understanding in the world that, like, I'm mostly a good person. And even in the church, we allow this to, like, slip in, like, no, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good guy. I'm not that bad. Like, I didn't do that thing, or I didn't take it all the way like those people. I didn't say that word. <sighs> Maybe two months ago, me and Janelle were driving. I'm, like, literally, like, 50 or 75 feet away from any other car on the expressway. And suddenly my windshield just goes, <laughs> rock chips off it. Still have no idea where it, I think there's a kid just on the side of the road, just like, in an invisibility cloak. <laughs> so it cracks, like, literally about that far. And it's, like, right in this corner, and, like, that's annoying. That's so annoying. And then we finished the drive, and it was, like, this long. By the time I got home, it was, like, kind of, mid a third of the windshield by the time I woke up the next day it ran the whole length of the windshield but it's still it's like you know I'm probably not even going to get it fixed because it's not in my field of view it's not a big deal I don't need to spend the money it's kind of low at the bottom and then I come out like a week and a half ago and it branched into a brand new one where it went like kind of up the middle of the windshield and it's like kind of right in my field of view now See, a lot of times we look at our lives in these stages and we're like, oh, it's, it's not that bad. And, uh, and then it grows and it becomes a little bit bigger. And it's like, oh, no, but it's, it's not that bad. And it, we, it can be really easy to justify who we're becoming. It's really easy now to go, I mean, it's not like the whole windshield shattered. I can still see. And then it's going to keep branching off and it's going to be like, well, I can still see out of this top quadrant. It's fine. It's like in the middle of winter if you drive. You know what I'm talking about. When you had enough time to get 
this much defrosted, and you're like, You know who you are. It becomes really easy for us to justify who we're becoming in full understanding and recognition of how far it is from God's standard. Psalm 51, 17 says this. It says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, you, God will not despise. You need to recognize that there's beauty in recognizing your brokenness. Typically, we want to say, well, no, I can still see out of the windshield. No, it's fine. It's not the big, I'm not that much of a turd, okay? I'm like a little rabbit turd, okay? It's not that big of a deal. And we want to justify it because we think if we fully admit to what we really have become, maybe God wouldn't love us. Maybe we couldn't handle that type of brokenness. Maybe our family couldn't handle it if we were really honest about what's going on inside of us. Maybe our friends, I don't know if they'd get it. In actuality, what God is looking for is for you to just be willing to go, you know what, this is what I've become. And Lord, oh, I don't like this. I don't like what I see right now. And to do so in a way that is not, I hate what I see in the mirror. But Lord, Oh, this is not what you have for me. And I'm, I'm capable of bringing that brokenness to the Lord. Because put that scripture back up. It says that a broken and a contrite heart, he will not despise. He's attracted to it. He is attracted to your brokenness. If you're willing to bring it to him, all the things that you're afraid that you think he might shun you for if you were really honest about what you're going through, all of those things, he, it literally says he can't despise them. He, he's incapable of pushing you away because of them. They are the very thing that draws him to you because he loves your brokenness. But if I don't own it up, own up to it, if I don't recognize it, if I'm not honest about it, it's actually pride, rebellion, and it is the thing that pushes him away from us quickest, farthest, and fastest. So the process, the difference between truly being brought into what he's doing in my life and being repelled by what he's doing in my life is the honesty that I bring to the table of what I desire for him to do. You see, this whole process is ultimately sacrifice. He, he is so drawn to sacrifice. When you see that in you and you recognize, man, Lord, that's, I know that's not of you. For you to come and bring it to him and be willing to lay it down, he recognizes that the sacrifice that that is. He recognizes what that, he describes it this way. He describes that the greatest love on earth is laying down one's life for a friend. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. The demonstration of love is sacrifice. The, the best way that I want you to understand how to grow in mad love towards God is I want you to picture him as though you were in a relationship with him. See, a lot of times it's like, oh, yeah, I, God is, like, so big and he's so far away. And it's like, yeah, but, like, literally every metaphor in Scripture he gives us is so that you have an earthly understanding. He calls us his bride. He calls us his children. He calls us friend. What he really desires is relationship. Okay, how do you have a relationship? 
This is probably the question that I answer the most when talking to young adult guys. How do I relationship? We overcomplicate this so much. It's usually a little less intimidating, I think, in some, to some degree, in earthly relationships. But if you were to think about it, guys, if you want a relationship with a girl, what do you do? Talk to her? <laughs> Crazy. We're going to a quick count, like group-wide counseling session real quick. All the uh, progression guys are going to walk out like, talk to her. <gasps> Why didn't no one tell me? Talk to her. You talk to her. Spend time with her. Do the things she likes to do. Maybe give her the things you know she would like, not just the things that you would like for her, but the things that she would enjoy. If we put our relationship with the Lord in the context of what we already know, it becomes very simple. How do I grow in mad love towards God? I spend time with him. I talk to him. I, I give up things that I actually would like to do, but I know that he'd rather spend time with me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice. I'm going to lay part of myself down. Like, yes, it is love when my wife and I spend time watching a movie, for instance. I love that. But that is not a demonstration of my love for her. That is a demonstration of her love for me. It's in the moments when I set aside something that I want to do. I sacrificially lay down what I would desire, and I do instead what she would desire. If you just, I don't want to say humanize God, but if you, if you put your relationship with him in a, something more tangible to you that you can understand, Imagine you're in a relationship with him. It actually begins to become a lot simpler to do this big metaphorical task that you're, I just want to be in love with God. Okay, how would you fall in love with anyone on earth? How would you do that? And if you have an answer to that question, are you doing those things right now with the Lord? Do you know that he's asked you to give some of your finances to his church, and you still don't do it. Man, if, I, if my wife had something that, or if I had something that my wife wanted and I was unwilling to give it to her, A, she'd punch me in the nose. Two, it does not demonstrate my love towards her. When you go two weeks without being in church, without being in your word, without being in prayer, do you miss him? Do you miss him? My wife and my daughter are in Illinois right now, and I literally fall asleep like laying in bed watching videos of manna. Because I miss her. I miss my wife too. I miss you, baby. I do miss you, Janelle. Love you. But I miss my daughter. God wants to have a tangible relationship with you. He wants it to feel physical. He wants it to feel like you are having a relationship 
with someone you dearly, dearly love because he can come even closer than that person is capable of. But a lot of times we, we get so in our heads that, oh, I can't come to God. And I can't, uh, I'm just, I'm too turdish. I'm too, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I just, and we miss having those beautiful, intimate moments that he desires so badly to share with us. We miss actually having the opportunity to fall in love with him. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So the first thing he says, he says, sacrifice. I want you to be willing to lay down the desires of your own flesh, lay down your desires in op- in, for a greater opportunity to be in communion and worship with me. Sacrifice for the sake of worship. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think that's fascinating that Paul says that in Romans. He says, I want you to worship by means of sacrifice and by the renewing of your mind. Being transformed in a way that actually changes the way you think. See, a lot of times, what we tend to do is we're like, God, man, I just, I want to love you more. Will you, will you give me more love for you? God, will you just, oh, he shot oh, me. Oh, God, man, God, I just wish you'd give me more love for you. And we're not willing to actually lay down the things that are consuming our minds. It actually helps when you're trying to fall in love with someone if you're looking at them. You know what me and my wife didn't do on our first date? We overcomplicate it, and we miss these opportunities that if I was willing to sacrifice as a means of worship, what he'd begin to do is he'd begin to transform me in a way that would completely shift the way I think. He would transform my mind. And everything about me, it says, be transformed, right? That's a new be. Now I'm over here. I once was over here being this way, and now I have been transformed. And what it's doing is it's changing the way I think simply by means of becoming something new. See, what happens is when I can become something new, when I can actually renew my mind, when I can change the way I think, when I can allow him to do that process in me, I can actually come into an understanding with true sincerity of heart that even though I'm a turd, he loves me anyway. That even though I don't deserve it, his mad love for me is unchanging. He loves me anyway. I I honestly feel like if you could just get this in your heart, like this is what I want you to walk away with. If you remember nothing else, try and forget the song. I dare you. You won't be able to. But this is what I want you to walk away with. Just an understanding of how deep his love is for you. I was reading about some 
rapper that died maybe a month ago, something like that, got shot by some other, I don't know. I'm not, not gangster, yo. And I saw that they quoted in the article Nicki Minaj saying something about, yeah, jealousy is demanding. The Bible says jealousy is demanding as the grave. I just imagined her doing it. It was a tweet, so I just kind of put that in. And I was like, at first, like, it's cool that she's, at least she's putting the word out there that is probably making people at least go Google that. Does the Bible really say that? It doesn't, but the sentiment was there, okay? It was close. It's referring to love. It's actually referring to, in a metaphor in the Song of Songs, chapter 8, it's referring to a metaphor of God's love. And it says, I want you to set your love for me like a seal upon my heart. Because your love is as jealous and as demanding as the grave. Like, if you would get the picture of that, like God is jealous. Because boyfriends, husbands, fiancés are jealous. It's built into us. God is jealous for your attention. He is jealous for your affections. He's jealous for your voice. My house is so quiet right now. I used to, like, crave being alone. I hate it. It's so lonely now. Like, I'd take a screaming, crying baby at this point. He's jealous to hear you. And when I say that, I literally mean if you are not mute and you have the faculty of speech, if you're capable of speech, verbally speak to him how good he is. If you would spend time with him every day, literally the thing that gets me, I can be praying this, that, and the other. And you know when I feel the presence of God, it's when I stop and I go, God, you're so good. You're so good. You are so faithful. When I start verbalizing the goodness, the faithfulness, the trustworthiness of God, when I start verbalizing how good and true he's been to me, when I start verbalizing that he's been faithful even when I was faithless, when I start verbalizing that he is so worthy, oh, I start to feel God's presence come in me in a different way. And when I verbalize those things and then I feel God's presence, what does it make me do? Wow, I love you so much. It starts to actually transform me and my mind becomes renewed because now what I'm thinking about is not, oh, this sucks and oh, I screwed this up and oh, this person did this and this is not going to happen. It's, wow, you're so good. You're so faithful. And if we would just spend every day coming back to a deeper realization of how good he is, if you would just spend your day speaking, thinking, meditating on how good God is, you would find this love within you that would well up that you've never experienced. You see, when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he basically walked them through this process. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He starts the whole process off by going, God, you're so good. You're worthy. You're above it all. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I may turd. Right? Starts off by going, God is perfect. I'm a turd. And he finishes, but yours is the kingdom, and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
but you love me anyway, and you're welcoming me in the process, even though you recognize that I'm going to fall short at times. If you could just let God's love for you penetrate where he's desiring to get, the love for him becomes extremely natural. But when we try to produce something, the only way we know how to produce it is through the do's and the don'ts, which is religion. And it produces in us actually a spirit of religion, a spirit of legalism, thinking that, oh, I have measured up. I'm good enough now because I did this, this, and that. And then when I don't, oh, I'm not good enough, and I suck because I didn't do this, this, and that. And the whole time he's going, just stop, please. Just stop. You know one of my favorite things to do when Janelle is frustrated or upset? Just wrap my arms around her. I do actually this thing. I, I say, do you need to be frown? That means do you need to be thrown? I take her and I throw her on the bed. And she starts giggling and laughing, so then she gets up and she's not upset anymore. I think sometimes God's going, do you need to be frowned? Do you need to be frowned? If you would just let him love you, like in a wholehearted way, and that would allow me to just start spending my time just going, okay, I don't, I don't know how to do this right, Lord, but I know that you're good. And this is how I saw you show your faithfulness in my life. And, man, this is what I've seen you do in my family. And we're not there yet. It's not exactly what I want, but I see what you're doing. Man, Lord, you have been faithful. You've been so, if, if I could just allow myself to step into that place, the love for God that you and I desire becomes a very, very natural byproduct. And all the do's and all the don'ts that we're trying to conjure up, begin to flow out of us by means now of the Spirit, by means now of the Holy Spirit in me and not my own works. James, in chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Come near to God. See, this is... Sid, can I get you real quick? Yeah, run down here. Pastor Dave, can I get you real quick? You know what this language is? Come near to God. Sid, can I get you right here? Pastor Dave over there. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. You ever seen the movie Hitch? When he's teaching them how to kiss? You go 90, I'll go 10. Not, you don't get to go the whole 100. My, Alfred, my mouth was open. You know the scene? Okay, so Sid, you can stand right here. Face Pastor Dave. Face her. Okay, so come near to God. I'm not going to make him kiss. Don't worry. <laughs> come near to God, and he will come near to you. Guys, okay, so um, we're going to have you go 90. You're going to come right here. And then you just got to do the Just put your arms around him. Just give him that 10. Just give him just that little, there we go. Guys, this is cuddle language. Come near to God and he will come near to you. That's, that's cuddling. God wants to cuddle. Give them a good hand. You can take your seat. This, this, this is the picture. This is the picture. You're his, his daughter or his son or to Jesus we're the bride. And he's just saying, if you'll just, just come near. I'm right here. Just, I, will, I will go 90. I'll go 90. 
Because Romans 5 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you didn't do anything to deserve it, and he still did it anyway. When you were a total turd, not just a partial turd, total turd, Christ died for you. And that's how he demonstrated his love for you. In dying for you when you didn't deserve it at all. And he came, he came all the way over here, and this is just all he wants. He just wants you to go, God, I love you. You've been so faithful to me. You've been so good to me. Wow, man. I know, I know that I did this and I did that and I did that, and I'm able to look on my past, not with shame and condemnation, because Romans 8 says that there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I'm able to look at my past and remember Egypt not from a shameful place, but I'm able to look at my past and go, wow, that's who I be. And the because has made me something completely different. And I look back and I go, wow, wow, I love you so much. And then a year later, it's like, wow, we just, wow, wow, we're even farther now. I love my wife literally every, more every year. I can honestly say that. And time just keeps passing and we just keep going deeper in this relationship with the Lord. And each step, it's like, wow, I love you more. I love you more, and my love for you grows deeper because I'm shown each day I spend in your presence a little bit more how much good you truly are, how good you truly are. And every moment that I spend with you, I'm able to walk away, and I'm going to go, wow, wow. You're so good. You've been so faithful. But the Lord desires that you draw near. He wants, he wants to draw near to you. And he has gone 90. He just literally needs you to take that last little bit and he needs you to step towards him. And he needs you to come be willing to have your mind transformed. See, when I know God, let me, I skipped this part, but I feel like I, should, I need to say this. Deuteronomy 6.5 says this. This is the Old Testament. This is before Jesus. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Mark 12, 30 says this. Jesus quotes it, and he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. You notice what's different? Jesus added the mind. Jesus desires that the loving relationship that he has with you now, after the cross, after he's done that, after the spirit has been released, now your mind can be transformed. And when my mind becomes transformed, I'm capable of expressing and demonstrating my love and falling in love in a deeper way with him. And John says this as well in 1 John 4. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You'll notice what's missing there? He says, who, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know love does not know God. What does that mean? It means you can be born of God and not know him. That should be a mildly terrifying thought. Everyone who knows love, or everyone, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, but whoever does not love does not know God. 
It's a scary thought that we can truly be born of God and yet not know him. So what's he describing right there? How do I know him? I recognize who he is. He's perfect. I recognize who I am. I am not perfect. And when I come to that final step where I realize, wow, in the midst of that, guys, I understand this is so simple, but please don't let the simplicity of this check you out. In the midst of that, when I realize that in his perfection, in my total imperfection, in my total filth, he loves me anyway. How could I not have adoration for him in that place? How could I not desire the presence? Ladies, let me tell you how simple you are to get you to fall in love with a guy. The guy that knows everything about you, knows all your proclivities, all your failures, all your flaws, and loves you despite of them and even thinks they're cute, that's the guy you're going to marry. Let me just make it super simple. Not necessarily the guy you should marry because more than one guy is capable of that. But that's literally the way that we fall in love with the Lord. We recognize that he sees me just as I am, and that's okay. And we're just going to be in his presence together because he desires my presence as well. We're just going to be in each other's presence, and it's going to change me. And there's this love that billows up in me for him. Can you bow your heads with me? Man, Lord, we want to get to know you. We want to get to know you. We want to know what you're like. We want to know what you sound like. I want to know what you look like. Lord, we want to know what your presence feels like. We don't want to base it all on that, but we want to know what it feels like. First and foremost, if you desire to give your whole self, your whole life to Jesus, if you recognize, man, I've never done this and I desire, I want, I want to hand my, the reins of my life over. I want to give myself to Jesus. If that's you and you've never done that before and you desire to in this moment, would you just stand? Just stand and signify that you desire Jesus. Thank you. Just stay standing. Okay, for the rest of us, if you're like me and you're looking at your life while I'm teaching and you're sort of thinking to yourself, man, I want to love God more. And I have been trying or feeling condemned because I'm not doing the do's and the don'ts, and I, or I've been trying the do's, and not, it's not working, and you're recognizing, man, Lord, I just want to come into a recognition of how good you are towards me, that your favor is towards me, that your eyes are upon me, that your love is for me, that you are jealous for my heart, Lord. I just want to come into that understanding. If that's you, and you just desire to come into a deeper understanding, that in this moment that God, of, of God's love for you, would you just be willing to stand all across this room, we're just going to stand together if that's you. Yep. Cool. Guys, like Pastor Dave talked about, 
we do things like one night for them, not for us. Conferences for us where we get to all get together and we all know of the goodness of God. So we get to just get excited together about God's goodness. But one night is not necessarily like that. One night is bringing other people in and teaching them about God's goodness. It's very different. Both are so necessary. You have the opportunity. You have the opportunity over the next week to speak some peace into some fearful, anxious souls. Especially with what's going on with this coronavirus thing across the world, but across our state. There's so much anxiety and fear in people right now. You get to be that peace. You get to welcome them. You get to welcome them into the love of God. Maybe next week on one night's the first time they're ever going to experience it. Maybe that's the first time they've ever felt genuine love in their entire life. What a thought. What a thought that you might be responsible for someone's first experience with love ever. Wow. What a privilege. It's not just like, yeah, Chick-fil-A is awesome. We got to bait the hook. We got to make sure that people have a fun time. But ultimately, they get to experience how deep God's love is for them. And what that causes in them is a mad love to well up within them for who God is. And so if that's what you want for them, let's get an, an outpouring and a dose of it right now in this moment for us. Let's have something to splash on them. Let's be so full when we go back to school or to work. Let's be so full that we just splash on everyone we walk past. We just lift your hands with me? I'm going to pray over you. Father, we thank you so much for the hearts in this room that desire to receive you and have a complete transformation, Lord, for those that desire. If it's, your, if it's your, in your heart and in your will right now in this moment to give your whole life to Jesus, just begin praying and telling him that. Lord, for those that desire to give themselves over to you for the first time, Lord, we, just, we know that you're receiving them, that your love was looking for them and seeking them out and that you desire them. And Lord, for the rest of us that I've been walking with you, but we recognize that there's so much in us that maybe we were not willing to sacrifice. Or there's parts of our mind that we have not allowed you yet to renew. Lord, we just give you total control. And we just recognize in this moment how good you are, how faithful you are. We recognize how true you are, that you are right and you are just. Lord, we recognize that you are perfect in all of your ways. We recognize that you're merciful. We recognize that you alone are peace and rest and true joy. Lord, we recognize that you are true love, period. We just lift you up and we adore you. Would you begin to show us in our own lives the areas where you've done things and maybe we didn't see it? In our own lives, the the areas where, where you're working in things and maybe we weren't watching or we weren't paying attention or it was a behind the scenes thing. Would you be, would you just reveal to us, Lord, the things you're doing and who you are? Would you show us your goodness? Show us your goodness that we might praise you and worship you and love you for it. You're so faithful. You're so faithful. In Jesus' name. Amen.